What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I'm Turner, and I am joined with Rosie via the internet again because of COVID. Thank you so much. <laughs> Quarantine podcasting at its best. Rosie, what's up, man? Not too much. How are you doing? Oh, what? I missed you there. What'd you say? I said I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, good. Okay. Awesome, man. Did you... Hey, today is Easter. It is. Easter. Did you have a good Easter? Yeah, it was nice. Should we do the... He is risen. And then you're supposed to say, he is risen indeed. Oh, I I didn't know that. Uh, old, that's, old, is that some Catholic thing? No, it's not a Catholic thing. It's just an old church tradition thing. You know, oh. on, on, on Resurrection Sunday, you would say, he is risen. And they would re- reply back, he is risen indeed. So, oh, wow. That's a joyful... Well, I did. I didn't know the first part. I just didn't know what the response was. <laughs> I don't think it's Catholic. I mean, I I heard it in evangelical churches. So, oh, well, oh. well, peace be upon you. Peace be <laughs> okay. And also peace be upon you. you. Also, yeah. And also with you. Also with you. There you go. Is that the Catholic thing, right? I th- yeah, they or say Jewish thing or something. Like no, a... it's a Catholic where they say peace be, peace be with you, and also with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It must be a Catholic thing because Catholics. All they do is just repeat back and forth. <laughs> That's why, if you know, you can go to a, you can go to a, a Catholic mass in a country that you don't speak the language, right? And you basically know what they're saying because you kneel. It's all at the same time. It's like synchronized, so you know. Yeah, very predictable. Everyone, yeah, That's funny. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, big Easter, and um, it was a different Easter for us this year because we didn't go to church and. Yeah. I got to admit like I have like here's true confessions time for me, bro. Um after 16 years of being in ministry and a lot of those years were at, at that big giant mega church that I worked at where we would do like we would do like Saturday and Sunday Easter services um yeah. which were insane or thousands and thousands of people would come through the doors. You would just be exhausted on Easter Sunday. Like you'd get home. I remember one year we had a tent that we had to do our meetings in and uh we we had i was partly responsible of helping the teardown of all the chairs and loading up the chairs and the sound equipment and we had all this it was like semi trucks worth of gear yeah. I, I didn't get home until like seven o'clock mm. that night from easter services and my family was just waiting for me you know it just was so miserable so saying that i mean i love serving the lord and all but that was like overkill saying yeah. that uh it was really nice to not have to leave my house today mm-hmm. to have no responsibility. And we didn't even, we didn't even watch, um, we didn't even watch church online. We watched the passion as a family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was like, and then we had Easter dinner and, uh, <laughs> I know it's a heavy movie, heavy movie, but it was so, it was such a good reminder. I haven't seen it since it was in the theaters. That's the last time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And my kids who are teenagers had never seen it. So, it was just like the scenes of him being scourged and whipped were, I looked over at my son at one point and he had his eyes covered. <laughs> it was just so hard to watch, you know? Yeah. But, um, and then Friday, this was kind of cool. Um, so my neighbors, so my neighbors across the street from me, both directly and then next to them, they, um, they're believers. And they asked me if I would do a good Friday service for them. So at the house, well, we were going to do it in the in the yard of my neighbor across the street. Um, oh, he puts a little cool. cross in his front yard every Easter, mm-hmm. and then he changes the the um, you know the uh, the cloth that goes across it. So mm-hmm. uh, you know it's red on on Good Friday, and then it's white mm-hmm. on Sunday for Easter, as in the resurrection and stuff. Um, pretty cool. That's cool. But um, it was so windy on mm-hmm. Friday here where we live yeah. and um and so and we were going to take communion too so my neighbor she was like hey let's just do a zoom call <laughs> so we did a zoom call my family and their families there was probably 11 of us on the zoom call total like mm-hmm. people and they brought over the communion stuff for us and um i just did a little good friday service that's and so cool it was like 20 minutes we all took communion and um and we prayed for our neighborhood too that's cool. Which was really like, there was a part of me that was like, dude, this is what this, it's about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like helping spiritually uh, connect my neighborhood and I'm serving them like mm-hmm. the way that I think God wants me to because 
there were years where I never even like to talk to my neighbors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'd go to church and I never would talk to them. Like yeah. I mean, we'd see them, hey, happy Easter, Merry Christmas, whatever, you know. But uh, anyways, it's to me, I was I was actually more blessed this year without the heavy responsibility of some role to play, you know, in some production yeah. for Easter um, where we could just love and worship Jesus and think about what he did for us and the power of resurrection and all that. It was mm-hmm. so cool. So another blessing of the coronavirus. Yeah. See, I really don't see any downsides yet. <laughs> You're still liking it, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is, uh, is I did talk my wife into allowing you to come back into our house. So mm-hmm. you can come and maybe next Sunday you'll be able to do it. We'll be able to be together again in the same room, which is always cool. Well, I'd never said if I wanted to. I know. <laughs> you might be like, I, I'm digging this whole not seeing you anymore. <laughs> I like sitting at the house. Yeah. It is nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's one thing I will say is like when when we have the audience student the student the studio audience here and you're here and then we always hang out afterwards and it gets late. Uh, when you guys leave, when you guys leave at like one in the morning or whatever, mm-hmm. I go I shut the door and walk right to my bedroom and I'm in my bed before you guys even leave the house most of the time. Like move the driveway. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. Uh, so I get that wanting to be at home, but anyways, so, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do, let's, we'll, uh, what do you know? And then after, what do you tell me what I don't know? Cause I don't know ever what you know on the, did you know, mm-hmm. uh, then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. So, okay. Did you know that you can rent the entire country of Liechtenstein? <laughs> rent it for- you could rent it for seventy thousand a night. Holy cow! That's actually not horrible. Yeah, it's uh, Airbnb. <laughs> I'm not even Is sure. it really? <laughs> yeah. The whole country is an Airbnb. Yeah. So it says uh, following a deal with Liechtenstein-based event production and marketing company Rent a Village by Xnet. <laughs> Rent a Village. Yeah. Check this out. Airbnb customers can now take your pick from one. Uh, <laughs> from six, this is it's misspelled here. Uh, from six Austrian villages, three German towns, one Swiss ski resort, nice resort, and the Principality of Liechtenstein. The Principality, dude, so that you, would be fun. So you can rent it, yeah, seventy thousand dollars a night and a minimum of two nights. Oh, hundred forty k. So, yeah. or is that Deutsch Deutsch marks? <laughs> what are, what is it? German Franks marks? Franks, right? What are they? Uh, what's Ger- Germans used to be Deutschmarks, but now it's euros. Euros. Uh, so it's probably like more like two hundred thousand dollars American. No, seventy thousand American. Oh, seventy. So it'd be one hundred forty k for mm-hmm. two nights, dude. What if we? I, get... I wish our listening audience was so awesome that we and so big that we could do like we're gonna do a two night retreat in Liechtenstein. We're gonna rent it and we're gonna go skiing and we're gonna do a live podcast. <laughs> you can be a part of it and we raise $140,000 and we just bring people in. It says yeah, yeah, it says we can uh accommodate uh 450 to 900 people. Dude, that's amazing. Let yeah. me let me do some math here real quick. Just I want to see what that would cost at uh 140k divided by 900. Oops, not 1.4 million. 140 divided by 900. Yeah. It's $155 a person. That can't yeah. be right. That's what it says, yeah. Dude. It has five five bedrooms, 500 plus bedrooms, 500 plus bathrooms. Dude. Yeah. This is could be a doable thing. <laughs> if we could get well, 900 the, people and I bet you airline is cheap right now. Yeah. We could do some spring skiing in the Austrian ski resort. No, some no. Killer that's, snowboarding. That's Austria. Well, it, didn't you say there was some kind of ski resort, right? No, you can rent a ski resort is one of the things. You can rent oh. a village, a German town, a Swiss ski resort, or Liechtenstein. Oh, okay. I thought you got all of that for 140000 No, 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 no. I was no. like, that's a great deal. No. Snoop well, Dogg tried, tried to rent Liechtenstein to shoot a music video, though. <laughs> well, he probably could throw that down easy. Yeah. 140000 Two nights? Yeah. Liechtenstein. Yeah, so that's actually go. smart on their part, man. I gotta admit, 
Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that. Did you know that was cool? Maybe that'll give us some future goals for all out war. Instead of doing cruises like some other like podcasts do, like cruises and stuff. You ever seen like uh, Doctor Heiser's doing a cruise? Oh right. Yeah. yeah, I would love to go on a cruise with him. That'd be so cool, just to like hang out with him for like a week and listen to him like talk about all kinds of, like I would love for him to be in the conversation on what we're going to talk about tonight mm, yeah because I bet you he would have some really wonderful insights yeah um, good segue oh thanks <laughs> so what we're going to talk about tonight since uh, I segued in uh, is the uh, the whole how does the Old Testament and the New Testament connect and um, and this comes out of and that's probably a vague a vague title and a working title if anything right now but uh, so I've come across three different things um, based on social media over the past couple of weeks actually about last month or so and um, they kind of raised flags for me and my wife always jokes with me because she asked me like hey what are you doing a podcast well, on yeah do you want to say this for when we actually get into it or is this All right, still an yeah. intro? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Well, it's basically this. It's I'm noticing three three trends right now uh, within the, I want to call it our movement, the truther movement or the watchers or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you would call, classify our movement that we're a part of. But, um, um, and I just, they're raising flags. And so I'll, I'll break those down. We'll talk about them. And then I'm going to, um, I'm going to hold them in light of scripture. That's the the one thing I want to do, but we can get into that in just a minute. But uh, so, anyways, yeah. So, um, was there something else that you want that you were saying you wanted to share or something? Uh, no, that's all right. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I don't want to bring down the. It's uh, actually. So, I don't think it bring it down. Okay, so uh, we. I got informed that a uh, a. Uh, uh, a listener, someone that's been listening to the podcast for a couple months now. Um, I, so he he passed away on uh, the thirty first, and it was super sudden. And uh, he was twenty eight, and uh, mm. super he was healthy, everything like that. Didn't know it. Went to the hospital for I think it was a headache or a stomach ache, and. Uh, Turns out he had cancer in his stomach, brain. Um, it was like his colon and uh, some other places. And basically, he didn't come out of the uh, of the hospital. They transferred him to the ER. And uh, he went in, and it less than two weeks, uh, so he passed away. And uh, so, yeah. And was, so, uh, if you could. I guess just keep uh, for every all the listeners keep their that family in your prayers. Uh, yeah, it was very sudden, and they're still dealing with everything. So, man, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. All right, we're back. We're going to have a great episode. Hopefully. Today, <laughs> hopefully. Um, I wanted to say something too, Rosie. Uh, my daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Maggie, my daughter Maggie. Um, some of you guys know she, we did an interview with her uh, on one of our episodes. I can't remember what it was like episode twenty or something like that. Uh, anyway, she's a musician. She came out with a new song last week called "Swim," mm-hmm. and um, and it was uh, it was they, oh, there it is a little bit. I'm just gonna play a little bit of background for us. Um, anyways, it it came out on uh, a week ago, a little over a week ago. And uh, they played it on our local radio station here, mm-hmm. rock and roll station, DC 101. And uh, and I was stoked, man. I put it on my Instagram story and stuff like that and uh, filmed it. But uh, it's a great song. I love it. It but, is good. And she, just so our listeners know, our intro music that we have, mm-hmm. my daughter made that. So uh, she's really good. She's talented. And 
Cheers. So go go Spotify and iTunes, whatever, and listen to Swim by Maggie Miles. It's amazing. All of her music's amazing. Mm-hmm. So someday when she's really popular and stuff, we may have to do the podcast from like a tour bus because I might be on the road <laughs> with her or something. Yeah. So. <laughs> but this is a cool little jam. Yeah. But I'm going to let it play for a minute, then I'm going to fade it out because I want people to go listen to it. Also, I don't want to get sued. Oh, that was a good stop point, wasn't it? Yeah, that perfect. Was, that was good. All right. So, uh, anyways, uh, go listen to Swim, Maggie Miles. Anyways, that's a self-promotion thing there. Uh, it's my daughter. If Rosie had a kid, I'd let him promote her too or him if he was doing. I better not have a daughter. We know how I feel about daughters. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. So, let's rock and roll. You ready get into this? Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening for the last 15 minutes. We know that you uh, want to hear what we're going to talk about. So here it is. <laughs> uh, in my news feed, um, I have been uh, coming across a couple different things that have been raising eyebrows to me personally. And then um, I was turned on to a podcast by someone else. They referred me to listen to it. And I will I will refrain from giving the title of it here because, number one, I don't want to uh, – I liked it at first and I'm going to I'm going to share with you some things that I don't like about it that raised flags for me and um what was more alarming was that within 24 hours they had literally thousands of views on their YouTube and like were like 5 6000 views in like 24 hours over uh, um the, one of their latest videos and it just it it raised my it raised flags it made a it made a check in my spirit and my wife said to me when I was telling her about this, I was like, "Hey, we're gonna." She asked me what we're gonna talk about, and I shared with her, and she's like, uh, "And she was like, you know, the teacher in you just can't help itself. It has to." <laughs> and she's like, "What?" I said, "I know. I feels like I feel like people be bored with this." And she she goes, "Yeah, but it matters, and you're a teacher, so you just can't help yourself. It doesn't matter." <laughs> she's right. Sure. I think she's right. So. Um, one of the things that I'll start with the easiest first, which is really actually kind of cool. And I like this. I'm not positive that it's necessary for Christians to do this, but I have noticed that there's been a resurgence of believers who are participating in the Jewish feasts and um, the festivals that the Jewish partake, partake have partaken in um, throughout the you know the centuries, basically all the way back since really the Exodus, when after they were relieved from Egypt slavery and and uh, God told them to practice the Passover feast and um, there are seven feasts that the Jewish people would practice and what is happening is I'm noticing that there's a lot of believers who are beginning to practice these these feasts and at first I was not I, I at first my like I was not stoked about it not in a and it, that sounds really judgmental, but I was, it raised a flag in one sense because I'm like, why do they feel the need to do this? Like, what's the, what's the point of this? And then the second thing, once I started to look into it and I realized um, that this is actually something that isn't bad, that it's okay for Christians to do these things. Um, and then I started to look even deeper into the meanings of the feasts. And then I got actually kind of excited about it. So one of these things is actually cool. Hmm. It's not required. Christians don't have to practice the feasts, and I'll list the feasts in a second. But So we have liberty, but we can recognize them for what they were and the meaning that they bring in light of the prophetic uh, illumination that they are pointing towards. So let me explain that. Um, the seven feasts that are recognized by the Jewish you know, people from ancient times was the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, or also known as Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. So 
those are the feasts. And obviously the Passover, we know what that is. That's when God pulled Egypt or pulled Israel out of Egypt. And the Passover was when they put the blood over the doorposts. We literally just had Passover last week or they had, they celebrated Passover last week. And, uh, and it coincides with uh, two things for the Christian. Number one, it coincides with Easter because Jesus died on Passover, during Passover. And it coincides with the communion service that we celebrate, which is the remembrance, it's the New Testament remembrance of the Passover feast. And so it, and the Passover feast involved a lamb. I'm not going to get this much in detail of all the feasts, trust me. But, um, but that one in particular is important. Um, following the Passover feast, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Unleavened Bread uh, represents sin. Leaven, you know, leaven represents sin, and that it was a, it was this um, a, a bread that was eaten as they left Egypt, and it was on the second day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and um, the third was the Feast of the First Fruits, which was uh, the wave sheaf they call it, and it was an offering of the first of the barley harvest. And it was basically in recognition of the blessing of God, bringing in the first fruits of the harvest for the people. And uh, there's some really, there's really strong connections here that I'm about to make for each of these feasts, which are really cool, which I think you'll like as well. The fourth, fourth one is the, the feast of weeks or Pentecost. It happens 50 days after Passover. And then you have the fifth one is the feast of trumpets. And that is heralding the coming of the next feast, which is the Day of Atonement, which is about judgment. And then lastly, the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is in reference to when the children of Israel were dwelling in tents in their sojourn from Egypt into the land of Canaan, where they were going to uh, where they were going to rest, where they were going to find full rest. So you have these seven feasts, and all of these feasts were important in the history of, of the people of Israel, but they were also doubly prophetic with what God wants to do in the future. So, um, and you can just stop me if I'm getting like wordy or <laughs> going too long, okay? Sure. So Passover, obviously Jesus becomes the Passover lamb. So he's the sacrifice that's given to us. Jesus dies during the crucifi or during the he's crucified during the time when they are slaughtering the Passover lambs that they would use to celebrate the Passover and to eat in recognition of God's deliverance from slavery and Jesus is our deliverer from our slavery of sin. So there's all this parallel of Jesus being the lamb in Revelation he's called the lamb that was slain but still lives. There's uh John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus is is very intricately connected to the Passover feast. Then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is where this is in reference to leaven. Leaven is sin. It's the unleavened bread. Jesus said, what did he say? He said, eat my body. It is, uh, my body is broken for you. And, he, and it was without sin. And we take communion in the church today with unleavened bread typically because it represents the body of Christ and it also represents no sin. It doesn't have any sin. And so, um, and then you have the first fruits, the third one, and this is representative of the harvest that would come in. And Jesus was the first fruits that would raise from the dead. And then those that would come into the kingdom afterwards would be considered part of that harvest. And all through the gospels and all through the New Testament, you have these connections between uh, wheat and and uh, chaff, or wheat and um, and weeds or tares, and so you have some of those wheat that are considered part of the harvest, and so those would be believers that trust in Christ, that um, that are gonna be alive in Christ, and they will be, become part of the first fruits of the harvest um, after Christ, and then you have the feast of weeks or Pentecost, and this is pointing towards. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when God poured out his Holy Spirit on all of the church. So anyone who would trust in the Lord would be uh, would then have the Holy Spirit in them, and they would have the Feast of Pentecost as the recognition of that particular feast. 
Now, those have all happened already. We can connect those into the church and into the ministry of Jesus, the life of Christ. The two that, or the three that have not yet are the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. The next feast after Pentecost is the Feast of Trumpets. And this is what, this is where I get excited. The Feast of Trumpets is connected with the rapture. And and people that don't, you know, Christians that don't <laughs> believe the rapture, there's a lot of evidence there. I would encourage you to read the book of First Thessalonians, and it talks about the rapture being caught up in the air and all these things. The book of Second Thessalonians talks about Jesus' second coming, which is going to be what the next feast is, which is the Day of Atonement, when judgment for sin will happen, where God will bring judgment. And his second coming is when he judges the world. And then the last feast is the Feast of Tabernacles, where we will live with him forever. And that's where we get to enjoy the great supper of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb that's talked about in the New Testament. So these feasts are really important and they're prophetic. And God set them up for his people to remember important things that not only has he done, but he is going to still do. So when I first saw that some people were on my timeline and stuff were celebrating these feasts, I, it it got me interested, but it also made me look into it a little deeper. And I was in very much encouraged by when I started to see those things. And I knew those things before, but I just saw that happening. And, um, and so that's a good thing. That was the first thing that was a good thing, right? So is that is that clear? I mean, I know you're yeah, kind of like, okay, he's going yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the second thing that I saw, and this was this came through our friend John Brisson. John has been on the podcast a couple times and we've been on his podcast. He's a great friend of the show. We love him, all that. Um, he's a believer. And he he mentioned to me in reference in passing one time we were just messaging each other and he talked about the Noahide laws. And for our listeners that don't know what the Noahide laws are, the Noahide laws are seven laws that came out of the Talmud and they connect back to, according to the Talmud, they they were given to Adam and they were given to Noah before the Ten Commandments were given to Moses. So they predate the Ten Commandments according to the Talmud, which, you know, it's their, you know, their history, their commentary on this. The seven laws of Noah are this. The first one is prohibitions against worshiping idols. Number two is cursing God. Uh, you shall not murder. Shall not have adultery or sexual immorality. Shall not steal. Shall not eat flesh torn from any living animal. And the seventh law is that you should establish courts of justice. So those are the f- those seven laws of Noah. And what what the Talmud basically says is that the Talmud says that these laws supersede all of humanity, that they exist, um, they predate the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are an amendment of them for people, for God's people, and that um, they are going to exist in any person who has, even those who have no faith, you know, atheists, if you will, they're going to be judged based on these seven laws. So, um, (laughs) I, you know, I don't know what to think about them necessarily. I don't, I don't follow the Talmud. I'm not a Jew. Um, You know, I'm a Christian, obviously. (laughs) Um, But there is something that raises a flag in this for me, okay? And this is the two things that it is. So within the truther community, within the, you know, the watchers or whatever, I like to call it the truther community because I think there's a lot of people that are involved doing podcasts and YouTube shows and all that stuff that really want the truth to come out and to be exposed. Um, But a lot of them are not necessarily, um, they're not necessarily within the family of God, right? Yeah, they they wouldn't. Their beliefs are not Orthodox Christianity. Yeah, that's great. That's or, a great yeah. way to put it. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, what happens is, is when 
you begin to want to have these things happen. Like you want truth or community, you, like you want the things that truth or community wants. We want to see pedophiles arrested. We do want to see the things happen that um, a lot of them are espousing. We do hate globalism. We do are, you know, want, we are against, we are anti-antichrist, right? You know, and things like that. So, uh, but what happens if you're not a believer, if you don't understand Christianity, you're going to, you're going to start to see some of these things and be told, oh, well, these things supersede even Christianity. And you're going to say, oh, okay, well, that must be a code for living. That's something I can cling to. Right. And I struggle with that because, um, first of all, there's a lot of commentary about the law in the New Testament of the Bible and Jesus in particular, what he's accomplished through what we just celebrated here this week, Easter and the mm-hmm. death on the cross. Um, but there's one thing in particular about the uh, the seven laws. It's number seven, and it's about these courts of justice. Because if you know what the Talmud says about courts of justice, if you break one of these other six laws, guess what the Talmud says about what should happen? I'll read it for you. So what is the punishment for breaking one of the Noahide laws? Uh, and in the section Laws Before Sinai, meaning before Moses, the 1906 Jewish Encyclopedia states that with with few exceptions, the breaking of the Jewish Noahide laws is punishable by death, by decapitation. <laughs> we are also mm-hmm. to learn that Noahide laws set up a two-tier legal system, one for the Jews and one for non-Jews. So... I'm starting to get a little nervous about <laughs> this because number one, it talks about getting your head cut off if you break one of the laws. You know, um, I'm not too down with that. And uh, secondly, that there's a two-tier Jewish uh, justice system that's different for us, us being Goyas, being Gentiles, being the ones that uh, are not Jewish. Although you have Jewish in you, I think, don't you? A little bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. My, my kids do because of my wife, but, um, but, for the Gentiles and the Jews, there's a different legal system that they're going to set up. And so, you know, I just think that there's a lot of undiscerning. You know, I've been saying this for months, that what the death of discernment in the church, what has gone on? People have not, uh, they're just not discerning. They don't understand. So that's the second thing was these Noahide laws that are connected to the Talmud. And, and you know, um, the Talmud is... For those of you that don't know what the Talmud is, I'll just give a brief description of what the Talmud is. Um, the Talmud is a it's a written version of the Jewish oral law, and it's and it has commentaries that go along with it. So the 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 Jewish uh, law is based up based off of uh, six hundred and thirteen uh, laws that were that were brought forth out of the Talmud. So it notes that there's there's the the Hebrew Hebrew numeric value of um, the word Torah. So this is like gematria stuff too. Mm-hmm. Is uh, 611 combining Moses's 611 commandments with the first two of the Ten Commandments, uh, which brings you to 613. So, um, so they they have these 613 laws that that the the Talmud outlines, and then it gives commentary on each of those laws. So a lot of people get confused between the Torah and the Talmud. The Torah is uh, essentially the Torah is, is commonly it's the first five books of the Bible. So it's going to be Genesis uh, all the way through the first five books of the Bible, and um, and occasionally they'll include the Psalms in there um, with that um, as well. So you have the. Noahide laws that are connected to the Talmud, which is a comprehensive system of the law that the Jewish people came to believe and trust in for salvation, apart from the work of Jesus on the cross. So this brings me to, um, so is that my third one or is that my second one? Uh, Second one. Noahide laws. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then this is my third one. Now this is where it all connects. So except for maybe the feast ones, but I have a feeling that this third one they'll celebrate the feast as well but not out of uh joy or reverence but out of obligation there is a move of 
believers, so-called Christians, and they they call Abraham their father and all that, but they're Gentiles, and they're adopting the Talmud as a source of living on top of the gospel. And um, so they're they're layering the gospel with the Talmud on top of it. And um, what they don't realize is that the gospel has its own commentary on the law itself. <laughs> and I would encourage anybody who's falling into this system of belief uh, to go and read the book of Galatians in particular. Go read Galatians and then jump right into the next book, the book of Ephesians because they, they dovetail well together and they um, they talk about some of the same things. Uh, so um, the book of Galatians, and I just feel like I'm doing all the talking, Rosie, and I don't like this, but... I don't have anything else to add, so <laughs> keep going. Okay. So the book of Galatians, it, it outlines some pretty cool stuff, and I'm not going to go through the entire book of Galatians with us. I mean, it'd be a great Bible study or something for you guys to do. But I'm going to highlight a few key verses in, a, in the theme that Paul, that the Apostle Paul had. Number one, you have to understand that the Apostle Paul, who was a, uh, a very zealous Jew before he encountered Jesus. Uh, some of you guys know the Damascus Road experience of Acts in chapter 9, I believe it is. Um, the Damascus Road experience was when Paul was knocked blind by God, and he was asked by God, by Jesus, why are you persecuting me? And then he was left blind until a Gentile came and laid hands on him, (laughs) and he was given his sight back. And then in that time frame, God had called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So he he was commissioned by Jesus to carry the gospel to the the non-Jew. Mm-hmm. So God took one of the most zealous Jews and and turned him into a convert for his own sake to advance his kingdom. I'll just read this about Paul in, in Galatians chapter 1. He says, You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal and my traditions for my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me to be his marvelous, by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me. I'm reading right out of the the New Testament, Galatians chapter one, that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. So, uh, so Paul gets called by God. He's this zealous anti-Christian Jewish Pharisee of Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin. And we know from the book of Acts that when the first death of a Christian who was Stephen, my boy Rosie here, uh, when he died, Paul was actually holding the, the cloaks of those that stoned Stephen and killed him. So we know that he, he was a witness and he approved of those that were being killed and hauled off into jail. Mm-hmm. So Paul was zealous. He was a zealous Jew. Okay? He understood the system of the law. He understood the, 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 you know, what would become the Talmud because at this point the Talmud still wasn't yet established. But he understood the Jewish system of law, and he goes on to talk in Acts chapter or in, in Galatians chapter two, after he establishes his calling and how God, you know, he, he basically establishes his apostleship to the Gentiles, and then he goes back and he says in chapter two he starts off with how he goes and hangs out with Peter in Jerusalem, after it's been about probably fifteen years since he got saved, after he had already planted a bunch of churches and stuff. And he'd seen Christians, people converting to Christ, and he'd seen riots happen because of faith in mm-hmm. Christ. If you read through the book of Acts, just the missionary journeys of Paul were insane. And so he goes back to Jerusalem. He hangs out with with Peter and James and John and Barnabas and Titus. And they're all hanging out together. And he notices pretty quickly right away in chapter 2 that there are some people that have infiltrated the church, and they're trying to, they're trying to get Christians to to adhere to these these Judaistic laws. In fact, he calls them later on in other parts of the Bible Judaizers. That's what their name becomes, and they have this tendency to follow Paul around wherever he would plant a church. Because when he would go into these territories of Rome and Greece, he would go first to the Jewish communities in those territories, and he would find the Jewish communities and he would preach the gospel to them first. 
And he did that because Jesus himself said, I came first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, right? Like that was his, that was the plan for him. And so he would go to the Jews out of respect and out of what God had ordered him to do. They would usually reject him. He'd have a few converts here and there, but those that rejected him would then follow him around and they would lie about him and they would stir up all kinds of trouble. And so a lot of his his problems were coming from Judaizers. So he doesn't have a really good relationship with these people, nor does he have a very good opinion of them. And so some of the things that they required for the Christian church to do, and they would put, they would really appeal to these Jewish believers like Peter, is they would say, oh, you need to be circumcised. Oh, you need to hold to the to the dietary laws. Oh, you need mm-hmm. to celebrate these feasts on these certain days. And if you're not doing that, then your salvation is at risk. You're not saved because your righteousness is dependent on how you live for God. And this is where Paul gets mad and gets upset. And this, what I just said, those things that I just said, celebrating certain feasts, circumcision, all those things, keeping the Talmudic law, those things are creeping in to a certain segment of this truth or community. And we need to, I'm going, if they ever hear this, I want you to know in all love, I rebuke you. Not as an authority over you, but from the word of God alone, the New Testament. It You should not do this. And you're, you're actually... You're, you're, you're actually making a mockery of the cross. And I'll explain that to you in a, from Paul's words exactly. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these people begin to not accept Paul's writings either. Like they might yeah. say, oh no, we, well, Paul was after anyways. He's not. And Paul himself said in Corinthians, I'm an apostle of abnormal birth. In other words, mm-hmm. I wasn't there like Peter and James and John, but God, nonetheless, God called me an apostle. And by the way, Peter accepts him as an apostle. In, in chapter 1, it talks about how they, they, they looked at his ministry and they approved of him, and so as one of the apostles. So it's kind of cool. But um, So he says in chapter 2 of Galatians, he says, the, quest- the question came up only because some of the so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly uh, brought in, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted us to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give it, give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to, to pers- persevere or preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. So what Paul's saying there is they were actually trying to get the church off course very early on. So it wouldn't remain on the course of grace. And this is this is actually a really great message for us because of Easter, right? We just celebrated Easter. And Easter was the end of one covenant and the institution of a new covenant. In fact, at the Last Supper, when Jesus was with his disciples, he said, you know, they had communion. He broke bread and took wine and stuff. And he says, he says, this is my body and my blood. And he says, drink and eat of it. This is the new covenant. You know, he's basically said, look, the old is gone, the new has come. And Hebrews tells us that the old covenant was made obsolete when Jesus died and when he rose from the dead. So there's a new way that God interacts with his people, and the system of the law is no longer how God interacts with his people. Now, if you're an unbeliever and you don't have the grace of God, the grace of Christ over you and the forgiveness of your sins, then you will be held accountable to that law. That law will actually judge you. When you come under the forgiveness of Christ, the banner of Christ, God looks at you as though you are his son who was perfect in every way, who never broke one of the laws, so you are no longer a lawbreaker. You are now living in the forgiveness of God and the extension of grace from God because of Jesus. So God doesn't judge a believer based on how well they hold the law. And this is important for us to understand. Um, Let me read another verse, chapter 2 of Galatians, uh, verse 16. We know that a person is made right by God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right by God by obeying the law. I mean, it's you can't get any more clear than that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just 
what's puzzling to me is a lot of these people that are f- moving towards this Talmudic ad- adaptation of Christianity, they're, they've been Christians for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are very knowledgeable of the scriptures. And uh, one guy that I was listening to, he was came out of Reformed circles. Like he was like a big time Calvinist. You know, he was like a, a Piper and Tim Keller and one of those guys, like kind of advocate, you know, he loved them mm-hmm. and, um, and systematic theology, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, the whole enchilada of Calvinism and that reformed doctrine, but he just speaks so harshly. He says they're not, people in the reformed <laughs> Calvinists aren't even saved. And I'm just <laughs> like, what? As soon as he said that, I was like, wait, what? And so, I mean, I have my issues with, with, uh, Calvinists, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not like, we don't see eye to eye on everything, uh, but they're brothers. Good night. They're brothers. They love Jesus. Like they trust the Lord, especially this message of grace. They, they've actually, Calvinists have helped me understand the issue of grace probably more than any other group, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, theological group yeah. out there. So I owe that to, to, to some of my Calvinist brothers that, uh, that like helped, helped define this grace for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but just reading through the Bible, you'll get it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me read another verse. Uh, so I live this in this earthly body. This is chapter two, verse uh, 21 or 20. It says, so I live in this bot, this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law could have, could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. And that's what I meant by my loving rebuke to, to some of these guys in this community, these people in this community that are following this adaptation of Christianity because they're mocking the work of the cross by saying it's not good enough. Jesus on the cross taking all the sins of the world and and making obsolete the system of the law is not good enough. That's what they're saying. They're saying, no, I have to go back and I have to live in a system that wasn't sufficient to get it done anyways. Mm -hmm. You know, if the law could do it, then why would we need Jesus? Right? Right. Yeah. It it just it just makes me, um, it just makes me get frustrated that someone would allow this. And I think there's a couple reasons this happens. So, I think it happens. One reason it happens is because I think there's a personality that's connected to this theology. And what I mean by that is, certain theologies are attract certain personality types. For instance, Pentecostal and charismatic movements of theology. They're a little bit more artistic. They're a little bit more loose. They're a little bit less structured. They're a little bit more fly by the seat of your pants. There's a certain type of person that's going to be more comfortable in that environment and that personality wise than someone else, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a creative kind of spontaneous extrovert person. Um, I actually got saved in a charismatic church. I I'm not bothered by charismatic stuff necessarily. I do trust me. There's things that bother me <laughs> about the charismatic movement. Right. <laughs> I've been refraining from doing a, a podcast on Bethel alone <laughs> for a while. Um, but, uh, but I will say this, that when things get a little spiritual, if you will, uh, I'm, I don't lose, I'm not uncomfortable. Other mm. people like my wonderful wife, who's, much more analytical, much more logical. Uh, her personality type is more she a structured environment that's nearly predictable. Like I say, nearly mean that like it's not going to throw any surprises at you. She thrives in that. She's much more comfortable in that. So do you do you know what I'm saying? Like how okay? So now let's take that that idea mm-hmm. that I'm throwing out here. So what if there's a group of people? that they just feel like I'm going to be better at Christianity if someone gives me rules to follow so that I can I can know I'm staying on track with what God has. Mm-hmm. And I think that it attracts that type of a person. Uh, probably probably they they probably love more disciplined lifestyle. They probably don't like change at the last minute. You know what I'm saying? So there's yeah. a, there's a personality aspect of it that I don't want to ignore. I don't think that's the whole of it. Trust me, there's so much more to this than that. But I just think that there's a part of this that's really connected to that. Mm-hmm. And, and the other side of it is, is like the the one individual who was just raging against Calvinism. I think there's some people that have been really hurt 
by the evangelical church, and they're just right. looking for a home. And they stumble on some of this, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to, that didn't work for me. Like, that style of Christianity didn't work for me, so I'm going to try this. Right. And what they don't realize is they're walking right into a theological trap that is going to lead them. It's actually heretical, and it's false teaching. And that's why it's so serious to me. Because if I tell you, you have to do this, this, and this in order to go to heaven, but the Bible doesn't tell me that, then I'm a false teacher, right? It's, yeah. it's that simple. Like, there's no reason to make it complicated. So um, so as I was reading through Galatians again this morning, here's another verse that uh, we talked. So when I talked about the law, right? I was like, hey, the law is like, um, like Jesus, uh, Jesus fulfilled the law. So if you're not saved, then, you know, uh, you're going to be judged by that law because it still remains. It hasn't, it, it's just been, it's obsolete in the sense for a life of a believer, but for the world, it still remains over it. Uh, Paul says this in Galatians chapter three, he says in verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So it has a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. It has a purpose of, oh, guess what? Uh, this is right. This is wrong. This is right. This is wrong. It tells us, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. But now because of Christ comes in faith, we're not held accountable to that law. And what we do have is we have actually God's heart and his spirit is imparted to us. And now his spirit is what leads us in all righteousness and all truth. So when it comes to breaking the laws of God, the Holy Spirit convicts you. And it, it's way more than 613. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Because there's been times where I've been driving and I've been lost in thought. And the Holy Spirit who's in me has convicted me and, and like, you shouldn't be thinking about that. You shouldn't be thinking that way. Uh, and so my thoughts even are known by the Holy Spirit and God speaks to me according to my thoughts, right? You can't mm -hmm. make a law about like, it's just, you're supposed to make a new law, six, law 614. You can't think this way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's not going to work, right? Right. It's all exterior stuff. It's all outside appearance. It's all like, oh, I want to look good to someone else. And here's the thing. Jesus raged against the Pharisees for this stuff. He's like, oh, you washed the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy. What whitewashed tombs. Yeah, and then he called them whitewashed tombs, full of dead bones, right? Look mm -hmm. good on the outside, man. Super clean, fresh and fresh, but inside nothing but death and stench of death and disgust. And he was really calling them out when he said that. So there's a whole movement of people. Like when I say movement, it probably sounds bigger than what it may be. But when I saw how many views were on these videos for this these guys that are this most recent one that I found that are teaching this faith uh, with law, um, man, I was discouraged. And some of the guys that they're connected with, if I started saying names um, within the truth or community, y you would know them. You would know them. And it bothers me that those guys who claim to be Christians aren't challenging these fellas that are fairly new on the scene um you know like you and i are fairly new we've been around for like a year right on the 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 scene if you will the truth or scene the podcasting youtube scene or whatever sure it's so weird <laughs> yeah you, you've been you've been watching this stuff for a lot longer than me uh, when we started the podcast is when i got into it so mm -hmm. i'm just starting to see the spectrum of uh so-called christians that are in this community it's disheartening, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm encouraged by many, you know. There's a there's a few that I really like, you know, that I, I listen to, I watch, and I'm like encouraged by them. Um, but at the same time, there's others that I'm just like, what? What is he saying? Why is he saying that? <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me cringe. But when I see heresy, I can't I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. And that's something that needs to be addressed. So. I know everybody wants me to tell them what the podcast, they're thinking, just say the podcast, just say it, Turner, say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask our listeners to pray for these people. And we'll ask the Holy Spirit to convict them.
because if they truly belong to Christ, then he's their he's their issue to deal with, right? Well said, yeah. So, and now if they want to talk to me, if they know who they are and they want to reach out to us, I would be glad to walk with them through this. No problem. And where I'm wrong, I'll repent. And where I'm right, I will not move. <laughs> I just can't. You can't, right? We can't. Mm-hmm. So they're also, this same group is adding circumcision. They want to, you know, they're like saying, if you're not circumcised, you're probably not going to uh, go to heaven. Um, Paul had some really interesting things to talk about with circumcision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he called it mutilation. That's what he called it. And he did, it wasn't that he didn't approve of it. Paul was circumcised. He circumcised Timothy when he was an adult, which mm. must have sucked for Timothy. Yeah, but he did it for the sake of the weakness of other people that Timothy would be around, knowing that these Jews were going to be seeing him, and and uh, he was a pastor, he was an elder, you know. So they mm-hmm. he did it for the sake of other people. So Timothy took one for the team, you know, <laughs> on that one, right? You know what I mean? And uh, but Paul says he says, look, man, if you're going to go ahead and uh, and circumcise yourself, I wish you would just go ahead and just. Uh, cut the whole thing off that's what he says i think it was was it 512 yeah i think so uh yeah here it is you you have a great version i'll read my version and you read your version from i think it was the niv Mm -hmm. uh it says mine says i just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves (laughs) what does yours say uh, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a an asterisk next to mine my verse, and mm-hmm. it says uh, or castrate themselves. <laughs> so what yeah. what Paul is saying is cut everything off. He's like, I wish they would just while they're circumcising themselves, they just cut everything off there. <laughs> uh, that's how he felt about it, because he knew that wasn't going to make you right with God. Right. You know, and the end of chapter five and into chapter six, he talks about living, living for God through the Holy Spirit, which is what you receive by faith when you trust in Jesus. And he Mm -hmm. says that the law kills the spirit. It actually, it actually takes the life of the spirit away from a person. So that's the next step for anybody who starts to move in this direction is that the Holy Spirit is muted in their life because they're trusting in some system of lifestyle rather than the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, which lives in that grace, speaking to you and moving you into a better, a more righteous and more holy life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thanks, man. So, yeah, I recommend Galatians, the book of Galatians. It's a good book. We haven't done a real theological one like this in a long time, have we? No, no. So I I think it's appropriate for Easter. Definitely. (laughs) Plus, you know, all these things I've been seeing. And uh, we won't even get into the Talmud, you know. The Talmud mm-hmm. is Talmud, and the Talmud is not a, a friend of the Christians. Let me just put it to you that way. It doesn't speak well of Christianity or Jesus. So, mm-hmm. And our listeners can go and just Google that. Just, you know, you can do your own research on that. I'm not going to get into that now because um, that could be a whole podcast in itself, and I don't know if I really want to do that. But if you're going to bring something like that into the purity of the God's word, the Bible, and you're going to lay that next to it and say this is equal on equal footing, you know, it's not inspired. The Talmud is not inspired by God. It's not, you know, like the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's inspiration from, the, from God himself. The Talmud is not. It was a commentary. On it was basically thousands of years of rabbis arguing with one another (laughs) right exactly exactly so is there is it useful i think on occasion but i don't i wouldn't i don't you know in my 30 plus years of christianity i have not looked into the talmud for uh commentary on god's word um there's just better sources out there for us like the bible like the bible yeah it's the bible is its best commentary right Mm-hmm. I mean, the book of Galatians just gives us a whole commentary on why the Ten Commandments are obsolete and for a believer and why we need to trust in Jesus. <laughs> it's like, yep. It just lays it out for us. So anyways, those are the things. So the feasts are pretty cool. They're prophetic, so they're good. The Feast of Trumpets is the next feast that we 
are waiting for to be fulfilled, right? Passover, mm-hmm. Jesus fulfilled Passover when he died. The unleavened bread was from communion. The new covenant was set up. Pentecost was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The next is the Feast of Trumpets. Oh, oh, Feast of Harvest was there somewhere. The weeks, I think, is what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next is the Feast of Trumpets, which I believe is the rapture. I think, now, does that? am I saying that the rapture is going to happen on the the date that the Feast of Trumpets is supposed to happen on? No. And here's the other thing about the feast our listeners should know. The calendars have changed like three different times since since those were instituted. So you have to understand, and this is important, that much of what we get out of the uh, Old Testament from dates and timelines and things like that were adapted to the Babylonian time calendar. And it was not the Jewish calendar, which was a lunar calendar beforehand. So we don't even know the exact dates in line with the original scriptures. So it's hard for us to um, indicate. And this is why there's a lot of confusion around like the birth of Jesus and was it December? Was it September? Was it August? Like when was his birth and all that? And we have even when was the Exodus? Yeah, even the Exodus. There's a lot of there's a lot of debate about that um, when it happened. Um, if you just listen to Dr. Heiser talking through the book of Exodus, uh, he does a whole he does a whole comment he does a whole podcast commentary on the ne- the Naked Bible con- podcast on the book of Exodus, and it's incredible. But um, what happens? They went into captivity to the Babylonians, and everything changed. And they were in there for seventy years. And when they came out of captivity, they had forgotten, the whole generation had passed, and they had forgotten and had to reinstitute all of these old traditions that they did not know. And we know this because Nehemiah, who came back to rebuild the wall, tells us that they didn't know. And Ezra, after they were dedicating the temple, they had to have the priests walk around and explain to the people what was happening because they had not experienced it yet. That tells you how ignorant they had become because of being in captivity. And so the dates and the times had changed because the Babylonian calendar is not the same as the the Jewish calendar for the lunar the lunar Jewish lunar calendar. And so we don't even know the exact dates of these feasts. And this is why I think Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour when he'll return. Because it's all been destroyed. It's all been messed with. You know, now we have this Gregorian calendar that comes from the Romans and uh and it's even different because it uses a solar rather than a lunar. <laughs> and so we've got to add days every, what, every 10 years? We've got to, four years. Every four years, we got to add a day or take away days or something. I forget mm-hmm. I forget how it works. Anyways, so the calendar system is not the same. So you can't, you can't depend on the calendar the way that you think you can when it comes to these dates. Like there was people predicting the rapture during the Passover this year. And they were just wrong. You can't do that. I mean... That's like me saying, well, the next, the Feast of Trumpets, when's the next Feast of Trumpets? It's coming up. That's going to, if that happened, if the rapture came on that, it would be total coincidence. (laughs) It'd be total Mm -hmm. coincidence. (laughs) So, because our, our dates are not the same as their dates. Right. So it wouldn't line up. Little factoid for, but enjoy, enjoy the hope we have. God is, he was faithful to, to you know, fulfill all those feasts, he's right. he's gonna fill the rest. He's gonna make it happen. So, like the the one the one big one is gonna be the one where it's the judgment. That's gonna be a big one. That's his second coming. So, anywho, all right, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to one of our listeners. Uh, I asked him if I could say his name on air. And he was cool with it. Um, I'm just going to, for the sake of him, I'm just going to call him Joey. uh, Because I just don't want him to be. But he sent me an amazing video. And uh, I think I sent it to you um, from 2014. Yeah. uh, Which was talking about some of the stuff that's happening right now in our world. It was Mm -hmm. eerily prophetic, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, But uh, I think... think, um, I just wanted to say to our listeners, look, we love you, and I'm so glad you guys take time to listen to us. 
if you have stuff like this, feel free to hit us up on social medias. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Hit us up. Send it. Send it to us, and um, we may or may not, you know, talk about it. But at least you're feeding us stuff, and it helps us because we can't, you know, both Rosie and I. You, you, we got jobs, man. Like this is like something we do on top of our our jobs. <laughs> so we're busy. We don't have time to sit on the internet, and I'm not quarantined, so I'm going to work every day right now. Cause I'm an essential employee, mm. uh, so I'm actually getting up and schlepping out the door. And I do sit on the internet all day for work, <laughs> and I am an essential employee. So, yeah. but for your job, you can't you can't just surf, you can't no. surf like and and do check out cool YouTube's and stuff. No, no, I can't. I mean, you can to a degree, but not. Yeah, if I did that, I don't know. I'd be in big trouble, I suppose. <laughs> um. So anyways, thank you, Joey, for sending that in. It's cool, and I appreciate you uh, listening to us and thinking of us in those ways. And uh, God bless you, brother. So, <laughs> All right, Rosie. This has been a good cool. episode. I, I'm glad you had so much input there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you got anything that you want to say? <laughs> no, no, not really. I don't, have anything else. I don't have anything I can add, no. Okay. I was learning along with everyone else. Well, you know, one of the things that I could say is that I do all the talking on this one, but we have an entire episode dedicated to you. Which one? Every Did You Know. Oh, yeah. Of 2019. It's true. Our listeners should go back and listen to it because <laughs> they love you. Well, I love all them. Yeah. Platonically, of course, unless you are single. Single and attractive. That helps. And a female, obviously. Oh, <laughs> oh come on. Don't be so close-minded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. Why are you gay? <laughs> it's because Jesus made me that way. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I think you've been... Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. You know what? What I do in quarantine stays in quarantine. Oh, really? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Uh, if we keep if we keep in quarantine, I might have to start smoking some of that sticky sticky green stuff because I I'm going insane. I am thriving. I, so. I need to have people around me. Oh man, that's so funny. All right, brother. Cool. Good episode. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, we will uh, we will catch you guys next time on All Out War. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. There you go. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you next time.